Hello, everyone. That was, I love the Lord. And that version was sang by Whitney Houston on the Pictures Live soundtrack. Vanessa, are you there? I sure am. Hello. Hi. Hey, everyone. Welcome to day 12 of Black History Boot Camp, where thousands of women, not only in America, but around the world, are walking, praying, and putting cover mm-hmm. over black communities, black families, our lives. For the epic moment that we're in, y'all. So thank you for being with us today. And thank you for everyone who's downloaded this podcast on either Apple or Spotify. You are welcome too. We see y'all. If you are not registered or counted in the million black women walking this year, please, please, please go to blackhistorybootcamp.com. Put your names on the roll, sisters. (laughs) We need you. We're building a movement for healthy black women and girls. And it requires you. It requires you. So, Vanessa. Yes. I was listening to John Coltrane all night. I woke up this morning and that song, I hastened to his throne, was so heavy on my heart. I woke up singing it. I just woke up in absolute praise this morning. And I was like, I haven't heard that song in so long. I have no idea why that song woke me up this morning. You know, when a song is so strong in your heart, you got to play it immediately. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to like find my phone. And like put my earphones in and like play it immediately. It was like four in the morning. And I realized I got up and I started writing the note for today. And I realized it's because that's the exact sentiment of both John Coltrane and Alice Coltrane's life is this sort of surrender. It's a real continuation of yesterday's conversation with Thomas Dorsey is around surrendering, being led to what is greater, climbing to the mountain that is higher than you, like really trying to find this sort of radical connection. And in order to do that, you got to throw yourself on whatever the altars of your values are. You understand what I mean? And if you don't have values, I recommend love. I recommend just throwing yourself on the altar of love and like hastening, going as quickly, as fast, as disciplined, as urgently to that level of surrender in your life. Because the world has been trying to break black women. And I'm telling y'all now, the pressure that we all face, every single one of us, every single, I mean, the enemy is coming, y'all. Every single one of us, the pressure, whether it is economic pressure, whether it is family pressure, whether it's relationship pressure, whether it is career pressure, whether it is political, the pressure on particularly black women, and I welcome everyone to this call, but particularly black women in this moment is going to require us to hasten to what is greater, what is bigger, what is unchanging, what is uncreated. Do you understand what I mean? Like the I am. You understand what I mean? The primordial sound of everything that is universal truth. Like you better find that in your life what does not change, what is absolutely universal around the world. Let's find that so that we can find a connection that is so much more powerful than the division and the reduction and the wickedness that is trying to break us. 
And I'm telling you, as you are walking out today, there are pathways. There are warriors, titans, in this case, saints who have done this, right? I just love that people call everybody saints. When I say that John Coltrane was a saint, it doesn't even cross anybody's mind that he was not, but he actually was, I'm not Catholic. I want to say venerated, venerated. I think that's what you call it when you become a saint. He was venerated as the saint in the African Orthodox Church. And there's a church in San Francisco now who put his picture up as a saint. And they said that, I don't know if you know much about jazz history, but Charlie Parker played the tenor saxophone before John Coltrane. And they was like, in the hero's journey, Charlie Parker was the John the Baptist and John Coltrane was the whole Messiah that came and released us. Of the oppression of World War II, Jim Crow, all of that. So he indeed is a spiritual warrior that we just really want to celebrate today. So y'all, I used to play the tennis sax in the Sacramento High School marching band. I know too much about John Coltrane. I know not enough about Alice Coltrane, but I want to have a conversation about them both for anybody on here who doesn't know anything about John Coltrane. Should we get into it? Morgan, actually, it's funny. And I was having a reflection when you were saying that you're offering the value of love for Black women to stand upon. It's so powerful to center ourselves in love. And I will offer one additional value for Black women that right now, if you don't know where to plant your heart, plant it in the heart of forgiveness also. That if we as Black women want to start a revolution, forgiveness of ourselves, And then through that forgiveness of ourselves, forgiveness of our sisters, especially and our families and communities around us, it's powerful, Morgan. It's powerful. And I just want to offer that in that moment to all of the Black women, like forgive ourselves for the way that we, you know, we are so harsh on ourselves. We are so harsh on ourselves. We are so harsh on ourselves. And I just want Black women to forgive ourselves. We show up every day. We show up every day. So love and forgiveness. Thank you for that, Vanessa. I'm glad that we took that moment and took that beat. So joining us today for a meditation, which is so perfect for what we're going to talk about a little bit later today, is Dr. Maya Cummings. Did you know, Vanessa, Dr. Maya Cummings is the wife of the late Elijah Cummings, the congressman who passed away almost exactly a year ago from Baltimore. Baltimore. Yes. So she's so powerful. She's such a powerful spiritual leader in her own right, but also she's a powerful political force. She used to be a part of the Maryland Democratic Party, Vanessa. She's the chair of the Maryland Democratic Party, and she's a social entrepreneur. She is a speaker, a writer, a strategist. She's been on every news station. I mean, CNN, BET, MSNBC. She's been at every single institution of higher learning. She was at the Aspen Institute, Vanessa. She's amazing, amazing. Okay, so without further ado, if you're new to this movement, we offer every day a prayer for our walk or a walking meditation for us to think about and invite some of our favorite people in. So without further ado, Dr. Cummings. Hello, sisters. This is Dr. Maya Rocky Moore Cummings with a Maya meditation produced exclusively for Girl Trek. I'm inviting you to pause, to stop, 
and to go deep with me today. Close your eyes. Breathe deeply. Gently release all thoughts and distractions. And prepare your spirit to receive this meditation about love, self-love, the kind of love that travels past the hurt, the hate, the pain, and the shame that winds its way through my ancestral DNA and leaps over the critical gaze of others to embrace the me, the real me. My self-love takes pleasure in the essence of me. It luxuriates in my bronze skin and generous features. It delights in my hearty laugh and full heart. It surfs on the synaptic superhighway of my neurons and cells, and it appreciates my sharp wit and deep wisdom. My self-love unleashes my unstoppable desire to be my best self, to nourish and exercise my beautiful body, to cultivate a healthy self-esteem, to fully accept my unique traits and abilities. My self-love unlocks my unlimited possibilities to show up in life as an infinite expression of health, wealth, love, kindness, satisfaction, and success. Today and every day, I take care to love myself, my full self, without apology or delay. Namaste. Listen, God, show out, God. Her words could not be more powerful for this moment. I'm stunned. I'm in silence. Like when you talk about somebody being in their calling, that meditation right there. We'll certainly share it for folks to listen to it again and again and again. So Vanessa, I was thinking this morning, I was like, do you remember that time? I know, of course you do. When we were I'm thinking at, of Michael um, Jackson, do you remember the time? Now we go start. No. Sorry. <laughs> when we were at Omega Institute and there was that beautiful black woman. I don't remember her name. The woman, she's like completely bald. She's a yoga instructor. Tracy Stanley. Tracy Stanley. Yes. Shout out to Tracy She was Stanley. the first yeah, black woman to look me in the eye and say, sister, you do not know how to breathe. And she was like, you are tight. And she was like, you need to get into this thing called yoga. But I was like, no, no, it would be years later before I would get into it. But she like with compassion said, man, you are just bottled up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, for yeah. all those out there, we took a bunch of organizers to this place called the Omega Institute in the state of New York. And these were our city captains from cities all across America. So we brought them up to the Omega Institute and Tracy was there and we asked her to teach a yoga class. So if you can imagine all these black women are in the class and her class was just had so much ease and spaciousness and beauty. And the first thing she had us do was lie on our back and she had us lift our arms to the sky. And as we dropped our arms to exhale and as we lift our arms to inhale and as we dropped our arms to exhale, it was just a simple activity. And I was supporting. I was walking around and supporting, and she was teaching the class. 
And all of a sudden, I heard a gasp from the middle of the room. And I was like, what was that? I turned around. And then it was just sobbing by one woman. And then just the entire room started sobbing. I mean, just boo-hoo crying. Because let me tell y'all, the act of breathing for Black women is radical. Everything has come to steal, to kill, and destroy us, to stop us from breathing in our traps. And our armor is so thick, y'all. We always knew this was not an obesity crisis. We knew this was a crisis of fallout trauma, that obesity was the most intelligent bodily reaction we could have to protect us from the constant darts and arrows, right? So when these women started breathing, my God, my God, there was such a collective relief in that room. And I was just thinking, Vanessa, almost more than anything, just like Dr. Cummings said, we have to claim the absolute fullness of ourselves in any given moment. And boy, when we do that, Vanessa, I'm so excited for what's going to happen. When I do that, when you do that, when everybody on this call just can the fullness and the complexity and the absolute beauty of who they are. And so I was struck, Vanessa, before I knew I was going to do John Coltrane, I told you, we have to do Alice Coltrane. And I didn't even know that much. Of it. How much do you know about Alice Coltrane? Well, lately, and this is where, look, God can move you from A to Z fast, Morgan. Five months ago, <laughs> I didn't know nothing about neither one of these people. But when I tell you my whole life, my whole, every possible, like, my life is so abundant and it is so rich. I woke up this morning with, like, praise. Like, so, so many good things happen. So I feel like I know everything now because I've been reading all this lady stuff, listening to all her stuff, <laughs> doing sound bath in the bathroom with my secret goddess bath and my queen, I flew a book. And then looking at, you know, girl, I'll be playing John Coltrane when me and my man be laid up in the bed and all. So, like, I'm all into it right now. But it's new. It's new, Morgan. So teach me. Teach me, sister, some more stuff. And before you, look, I ain't even kidding. It's like you told me a long time ago. But, you know, people be slow. When I tell you, people be slow to get it. And Morgan was ahead of me on this curve, but I am behind you, and I am in it, and I am evangelist. Can I say one other thing, Morgan, before we tell this story about that beautiful story that you said with Tracy Stanley and Omega? This is actually a solution that is powerful that also came out of there. One of the reasons that I think that women were in that moment able to, I feel like for the first time, maybe in some of them their whole lives, I feel like I heard somebody actually tell me that, like let go and release at this like guttural level is because we, I'm meaning Girl Trek, have actually intentionally are learning to master how to create safe space for Black women. And we cannot, as Black women, undervalue what community means to us as the daughters of grandmothers who gathered in kitchens and pressed hair while talking to their friends and past recipes. And, you know, way, way back, as we picked cotton, we told stories to each other. We need each other, Black women, we need each other. And so in this moment of like physical distancing and even long before when we could gather, Girl Trek, we were trying to figure out how do we 
scale the model of our grandmothers and the model of our grandmothers were who sat around the table with a little bit of something, something in the drink. Right. And like held each other in love. And in that room with Tracy, with her beautiful bald head and just like glistening black skin. And all of us there had come like traveling from so far away, carrying the burdens and the expectations. Many of us, and this is me speaking at the time, I was in a situation that was so crazy, Morgan, that I checked my phone every 10 minutes to see if my husband was okay. Like, that's how tight my life used to be. So we, for the first time, for like those 30 minutes, had permission to just say, those people will be okay. I can take care of myself in this moment. And it is so necessary. So I am inviting everyone on this call right now to actually recognize that in this moment, we are in that exact same circumstance. We are creating fellowship and communities on these walks. And I just want to thank you all so much, because even though we can't hear your voices, Morgan and I can hear y'all's voices. We can hear you talking to us. We can hear you loving on us. We can hear you walking with us. It feels like y'all be like, come on, walk a little faster. Do this. Like, I feel like we are walking with those women. Morgan, don't you? Like, don't you I feel do. like they're I with do. you? Yes, and well, I just want to thank I you. Actually, and my thank you to the women who come here, the men, the allies. What I'm trying to say is really important. It's actually that the love of the people on this call creates the safe space, the same safe space that we felt in that room. And that safe yeah. space, Morgan and I feel, and it creates an environment where we feel safe to talk, to be vulnerable, to share real experiences to, you know, come together, fall apart, love on each other, have disagreements, do whatever publicly. It's because you guys hold us in such love. And so that's what I wanted to say thank you for. You're here. You're here. So speaking of holding in love, there's a woman named Alice Coltrane and she's from Detroit. She was a musician her entire life. I think she was like eight or nine when she was playing at Mount Olive Baptist Church in Detroit. I mean, just raised good, just out there living her creative artistic self way back in the thirties and forties. Like how do you do that black parents? Thank you. Continue to give us expansiveness. And this woman was a musician in her own right. She had her own band. She was traveling through those travels. And in that circle, she met a man named John. And she says that from the moment she met him, she knew it was a divine connection. She said that he would speak to her without human words. And she just knew it. And the first time I saw her face, Vanessa, she reminded me so much. You know Aunt Verlene, Twyla's mom? Spirited Twyla. Twyla was the one who led the prayer on the first day of, that's my cousin. So her mom is even more powerful than Twyla because she's been on the earth longer. Full <laughs> train has those big round cheeks like my Aunt Verlene and that flawless skin and that round forehead and the statuesque body. But most importantly, like my Aunt Verlene, she had a presence that enveloped people with love. You could see it through videos. And so I saw this beautiful, radiant woman who was standing in with her family. She had three young sons. She had a daughter she was also caring for. And John Coltrane, this like meek and kind of, you know, kind of weird science kind of musician who was like hunchback. 
And I was like, this woman has something powerful that she's giving to this equation. So Alice Coltrane was wonderful and beautiful, and her spirit just eked everywhere all over the TV screen. And I was like, who is that, and why is she amazing, and how can I be like her? That was the first introduction to her. And what I learned after that was just so powerful, and what she did after that was so powerful. So let me start at the beginning. If you don't know who John Coltrane is, know that he is likely, in my opinion, the most gifted musician to walk the planet. I mean, Beethoven and Bach got some catching up to do. He was a composer. He was spiritually rooted and grounded. He was a technician. I mean, he played with the best jazz players as a young man. They sought him out. So I'm talking Miles Davis. He was on the best album other than A Love Supreme is a Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. He was the tenor saxophone player on there. Miles Davis stepped aside and gave him his due and let him. Miles Davis needed him in that spaciousness and that spirit that he provided. He really needed that. And so they together created A Kind of Blue which if you're just getting into jazz, please, please listen to it on Spotify or buy it and support, you know, the legacy of both of those great men. So he started off, actually, he started off with Dizzy Gillespie, or not Dizzy Gillespie, what's his name? Uh, sorry, uh, Dave Chappelle went to the high school in D.C. Oh, 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 yeah. Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington. Yeah, he School was like a, you know, he was like a, a for hire saxophonist, but you can't be no for hire saxophonist and be in Duke Ellington. He was good already. And then right. Miles Davis on, and then he was playing with Thelonious Monk for a little bit. Yeah. He got to do a roll call yeah. of the best players in history. Those are the best players Come in history. And then Vanessa, Miles Davis had to let him go because he was suffering so deeply I mean, so deeply from alcoholism and heroin addiction. And, you know, I have a theory on all of this, that when you have that level of genius and you really, really are chasing God in this way of like enlightenment and like, and blue lines that you have to try and medicate because it is, it can drive you insane. And I think we all have that capability of like working too hard, being in this line of ambition where you are trying to prove your worth to the world, where you are trying to make a way out of no way, where you are trying to create an equation of life that makes sense for for yourself and people around you. And I'm not giving excuses for anybody, but I'm just saying I understand. I'm just saying if there's anybody out there right now who's struggling with addiction of any kind, I understand. I mean, I was addicted to work and maybe still am for so long and ambition was my dope for so long. And I'm saying like, I understand it, but then our God is bigger than that, Vanessa. Were you going to say? I was addicted to being a victim. And I'm going to tell you guys this. I had this reflection. It's like, you don't even know it. Once you realize, and I hope this is the lesson of this 21-day boot camp and every 21-day boot camp, that you literally have it within your control to design the life of your dreams, and that no situation you cannot yourself actually overcome. You have to have, it's scary to say that. It requires a level of faith and courage to just step out and say, it's on me, it's on me. But the bounty on the other side is so beautiful. But that on me is on me means you also have to be accountable to when stuff don't go right, to being like, well, my life is in tatters right now, but it's on me. And the fear of not doing that, I think, keeps people in a space where you're able to say, even if it is justified, that it's somebody else's fault your circumstances. It really could be that somebody else has bad behavior. It really could be that somebody else is acting X, Y, Z. But in most cases, 
I'm asking us to look for and search for the ways in which we ourselves can like move um, safely out of situations that don't serve us or where we can. And I'm talking about jobs. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about houses, situations, homes, like where are you just in a situation where you have convinced yourself that you don't have control to move out of that situation and ask God for some guidance. Let that be maybe one of the meditations for today for God to reveal in you those spaces so that you don't be in that. I'm no longer addicted. I'm just like, it's on me, my life for the good or the bad. And now that it's on me, it's like beautiful because I'm bomb. Shout out to Angie in Seattle. Shout out to my girl Angie in Seattle, Angie Mosley. She'd be like, you bomb, girl. You bomb. You tripping. You bomb. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I, that sounds, yeah. it's like a new concept, being addicted yeah. to being a victim. I've never even really heard anybody say that. And I think it's possible for all of us, particularly Black people, where so much has been waged against us that we have every right to stand in that rage every single day. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. But even that rage is addictive. You understand what I mean? Like, what if yes, we let that go? Morgan. What if oh. we let that victimhood or that rage go? What would we fill our lives with? And what would that look like and feel like in our actual bodies and breath? And do we have a choice to do that? You know, there's a quote that says, every moment you have a choice to wake further or to fall further asleep. And so if you thought, this moment I'm going to wake up, this moment I'm not going to swallow the rage, this moment I'm going to breathe in love and light and healing. You know what I mean? If every moment we extended those moments, I was listening to an interview with Alice Coltrane, and she was like, yes. And she has a beautiful voice that we'll hear a little bit mm-hmm. of if we have time. It's not listening to her voice. So she has so many chants. She has so much, so much beautiful music that she created. But she was like, yes. One time I meditated for 24 straight hours, and another time there were weeks I couldn't account for because I was so deep in it. It's <laughs> like she is choosing, okay? She is choosing to say, forgive it to all the rest of y'all. I'm about to elevate, 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 like Kendrick Lamar says, and spiral up. So I just invite you to make choices every moment about your life and to let all the chip fall as they may and then choose where you're going to stand every single day. So let's go back to this moment. So he's addicted to heroin, Vanessa. He had gone to the military. He was at Pearl Harbor. He started the military on the day that America dropped the atomic bomb on Japan. You know, he's always had this kind of cosmic energy where things were just happening around him. And he started in the military on that day. He's in Pearl Harbor. He, you know, it was a rough time for black men in this country. His father died. All of the members of his family died except for his mother, and she really struggled, and he moved to Philadelphia, and he's from North Carolina. He's in Philadelphia-looking country, and he met this woman named Naima, and Naima took good care of him. She turned Muslim. You know how silly it is. She was solid. She was, you know, she was just solid. You know what I mean? You know, he wrote a song about Naima. It's a really famous song. And everybody named my daughter's Naima after that. So he was just a really powerful man. And he loved her fiercely. He loved her daughter. He took her on as his own. He gave her his name. He was just a beautiful, beautiful man. So then when he started to, I mean, he's in the club scene in Philly and New York and New York. And there's lots and lots and lots of heroin around. And he's addicted, you know, that sense of the soul of a man, a beautiful, beautiful man. He gets addicted, and but he's still chasing. He's like trying to find his most evolved self. So one night, Vanessa, he comes home. He looks at his daughter, or you know, Naima's daughter, who he had adopted, and he said, "I'm gonna quit." And he goes into the house. He shuts himself in, Vanessa, 
and he proceeds to detox himself cold turkey from heroin and alcohol. And Vanessa, it was an agonizing experience. It was physically painful. It was gut-wrenching. It was screaming. It was, I mean, and that woman was there, and his, and his daughter was there, and he, I mean, days, days of cold turkey detox. And in that moment, in that decision, in that space of his lowest moment, he heard God talk to him, Vanessa, and he experienced a sort of awakening, a sort of metamorphosis, where he knew that his life would never, ever, ever be the same. Vanessa, on the other side of that detox, he made one of, I think, the greatest decisions of his life. You know, it had been going kind of sideways with Naima. She knew it. She knew it. She said, I want to actually read what she said, because I like reading people's words. She said, you know, about the breakup, Naima said, JC, John Coltrane, I could feel it was going to happen sooner or later. So I wasn't really surprised John moved out of the house in the summer of 1963. He didn't offer any explanation. He just told me that there were things he had to do. And he left me with his clothes and his horn. He stayed at a hotel sometimes, other times with his mother in Philadelphia. He said, Naima, I'm going to change. Even though I could feel it coming, it hurt. And I didn't get over it for a while, at least another year. But Coltrane kept a close relationship with me, even calling in 1964 to tell me 90% of the music I will be playing, Naima, will be a prayer. Vanessa. Morgan, for anybody out there who has a calling in their life, including you, Vanessa Renee, you better hasten to the throne, even if you've got something good going on, even if you've got that good, good job, even if you've got good, good plans, even if you've got good, good lovers, yeah. even if you've got a big old house like I did in New Jersey. Yeah, you know, elevate, you know, elevate, just, elevate. You yeah. better hasten to the throne. Yeah. I was so touched by that story. First of all, with the loving kindness that he treated her with, with the declarativeness, I don't even know if that's a word, but like the, the declaration over his life that it is changing with the confidence with, you know, and I feel like more times than not men are able to do that. It's harder for us to do that because we're making all kinds of calculations in our minds. Well, he did it, Vanessa. And he went on to play in New York city. He recorded some of his most powerful music during this time. And Vanessa months later, he met Alice. And when I tell you, God gave him a spiritual guide that he needed. They fell in madly in love. I mean, they talk about love notes they wrote to each other. He bought her a heart. They had actually three boys in three years. He never had children before. He didn't think he wanted to have children. I mean, they hard in love. And what they saw in each other was the potential to reach God. Like they just saw it in each other. They saw the other person's divinity and and supported it. And, you know, Alice Coltrane was being interviewed about when John Coltrane was making A Love Supreme, he was like up in his like studio for like weeks, Vanessa. The way she was talking about it, she was brimming with enthusiasm. You know, some of us would be like, I mean, is he going to come down, eat these pork chops? I mean, like, is he going, you know what I mean? Like our lesser mm. selves would be like, okay, fan, you know, his 
brilliant in his divinity and his pursuit of God was bound in hers. That when he reached God, she reached God. And that's what I want us all to understand about each other, that our destinies are bound up in each other. That sister, when you reach God, I reach God. And I want y'all to know that because anytime you feel less than or competitive or unworthy or somebody makes you feel some sort of way, I want you to turn in and realize that that person's grandness is your grandness. And so together, they went on this voyage, Vanessa. Not only did he complete what is arguably the most groundbreaking album in American music for sure. If you don't know A Love Supreme, it is a four-part prayer that just, we're going to listen to the first part of it. But after we hang up the phone, if you want to go on Spotify and listen to two, three, and four, it's only 30 minutes. Or maybe tonight you can lie on your back and just breathe for 30 minutes as you listen to A Love Supreme. I encourage you. And I'm just saying that this four-part prayer was so divine that he was looking to communicate all the pain, all the heartache, all the love, all the magic that Black people have and give it over to God in this reverential, musical, beautiful, genius way. He did that album while they were married. And then they went on a quest to Vanessa. And I was cracking up because, you know, the next part of the quest people didn't understand. And there's going to be parts of your life, Vanessa, and my life that people ain't going to understand. Like when I moved to Africa. And I saw y'all messages me and Morgan tell us why you in Africa. I'm going to tell y'all one day, but don't judge me like they was doing dog culture. Because he was playing all kind of transcendental like evolved kind of jazz and he was like screaming them through the saxophone. I mean, it was like experiential for sure. He was trying to find the sounds of divinity and he was trying to bypass everything he understood and all the limitations he had. And it was just such like a, such a heroic quest for understanding. And I was really, really excited to hear. So part of that, Vanessa, they went all around the world, like studying um, religion, because what they believed, both Alice and John, and I believe this too, is that what is true is universal. What is love is universal. What is God universal? That before, 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 that God existed in a form of creation and that every single person on this planet and arguably every animal on this planet has had a creation story that is uniquely tied to one another. And that that creation spirit, that everlasting, that eternal, that power is what we all have to tap into regardless of the language. I believe that. I believe in universal spirituality. I believe in God in that expansive way. So John Coltrane was from that school of thought that God is in every moment and in every Thing, and he just really tried to explore it. So today we just wanted to celebrate them. We wanted to inform you about them. Vanessa, one last thing before we move into the end of this call is in Carvel's article, he was talking about how he went to the church on Don Coltrane in San Francisco because people in San Francisco be doing they don't care so they have right. a whole convening around John Coltrane. They play his albums, all kinds of stuff. So he was saying like they mimic the church because John Coltrane came from the church and so did Alice Coltrane. And this ceremony all the church and they do um testimony service and the prompt for their testimony service is how is love showing up in your life right now? She said that's such a good prompt and I want to know that from you. I want to know that from you. Like, how is love showing up in your life right now, Vanessa? I love this question, Morgan. Actually, 
this is the answer to the question and is actually a reflection that I had on something earlier you were saying, and I'll tie it together really quickly because it's burning on my heart. I loved what you were saying about hasten our ascent. And I was thinking there's instruction even here in the life of John Coltrane and the love of John and Alice, which is one of the ways we have to hasten our ascent. It's evident even in his music when I say it's airy is that surrender. And the hastening of the ascent is to surrender and let go of the things, beliefs, systems that don't serve us, even relationships that might be okay, but are stagnant of comfortable situations to push yourself to the uncomfortable space. Like how do we hasten our ascent is we really have to become the airiness of even the John Coltrane music that you were talking about. And then with Alice and John Coltrane's love, one of the most beautiful things I was thinking about when you were describing it is that they were growing together. They were calling each other to task to be each other's highest self in the presence of each other. They were saying, don't shrink here in this household, in this love, expand. And that's a masterclass for all of us who are seeking love and relationships around what we should be looking for in our partners. Somebody who was saying, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger, like God is calling you, like your happiness is even bigger, your success is even bigger, it's bigger than us in this unit, it's God calling. If you don't have people in your life who are hearing that in your ear and pushing it into your inbox and DMing it to you, like you need that and you must fundamentally have it in your romantic relationship. So I love those two examples of that, Morgan, and then how love is showing up in my own life is me actually loving on myself and recognizing and letting go of the things that don't serve me. I'm saying no every single day in so many powerful ways. And I'm just saying where I'm falling short and just being honest. I was on a call earlier with Carmen and I'm trying to get this. We're doing this big fundraising campaign. And I just told Carmen, I was like, look, I ain't even going to pretend to know SHIT that we're talking about. So let's just start from ground zero so I could catch up because I don't have time to be pretending to know what I don't know or pretending to be who I am not because who I already am is sufficient. And what I don't know, I can't be stressed out about because I'm doing my best. So and I forgive myself, which is one of the lessons of this call. So all that to say is like, just, I have to show up for myself like that. And that's how I'm loving on myself in this way. So this lesson for today's call has really resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'd also add, and I think you said this beyond even your romantic relationship, as you were talking, Vanessa, I was thinking like, even how we improvise with one another, it's going to require us to show up as our best selves. You know what I mean? Part of even one of the lessons of jazz is this ability, you know, yes, and keeps coming in the spiritual thing. It's like, I got you, drummer. I got you. A little something for the drummer. I got you. And then you come with that tenor and you play your part and everybody's giving each other space and, uh, mm. to be great. And I'm just mm-hmm. saying on your opus, on your like God calling, that you can space to somebody to be their divine selves in the way that they want and trust them and build this together and spiral up together. Like these two like eagles swirling, like it is so beautiful to be able to create that space for others and to really ask for that space for yourself. Don't shrink, y'all. It's a message that I'm really, really learning in my own life is that I am big and I am bold and I am beautiful and I don't want to shrink. I don't want to shrink and I want to be around people who want to soar because we have big things in our future to do together. So I'm grateful to be on this journey with you, Vanessa. Hold that 
because I want to say something about what you were just saying about John Coltrane's music in particular to invite people to consider that the music is sacred music, Morgan. It, it is sacred music. So if you are just getting introduced to his music and Alice Coltrane's music through this call, I would invite that one of the practices and the ways you can listen to it, just like Morgan was saying, it's only 30 minutes, is to like create a sacred space for yourself, you know, like yeah. find yeah. a 30 minutes and um, you know, close yourself off in a room, light some candles, maybe run a bath or, or do it in your car. If you, that's <laughs> yes. how it be like, be nimble, right? Like be nimble. Yes. But I'm just saying yes. like, give yourself the gift of an experience. Give yourself an, a gift yes. of an experience is what I'm inviting because that's what I try to do with the music and it has become a treat for me. So I didn't mean to interrupt because I want to know how no, love is showing no. up for you. It's but a yeah. good point. It's a good point. And actually it ties with the how love is showing up. So this last night I listened to it by myself. This morning I was listening to it with Jerry, who's my boyfriend here. And he, he you know, he's younger than me. And he's from Ghana. So he's just May all your boyfriends make you giggle like that forever and ever. Oh, man. <laughs> Let that be a prayer. <laughs> no, no, no. He's a very... I mean, first of all, I tried to take a nap before this call because I woke up at four in the morning and and I have to work until midnight tonight. And so, like, I was trying to take a nap and I couldn't because my brain was just, like, swirling. So I decided to get up and listen to Love Supreme again. But as I got up, he was asleep next to me. And I got up and I just touched his leg and just to let him know I was leaving and he opened his arms in his sleep to like embrace me. He was still sleeping. And there's something so beautiful about when people's instinct is to love you, when people's mm. absolute reaction is to open up to you. There's something that was so beautiful about that. So then he eventually got up and came in and I was listening to it in my earbuds and I want to wake him. And he sat next to me and he's like, no, keep listening to earbuds. And I was like, no, I'll put it on the speakers. I put it on the speaker and it was in the really hard part of Love Supreme where it gets like very frenetic where he's like pleading with God with through the horn. And, you know, he was trying to tap his foot. <laughs> I was like, no, he's not going to do that, Dad. He's not going to do that, Dad. So by the end of the song, he had his whole face turned toward the sun. He was laid out with a chair. Yes. He was just like, woo! He was like, woo! Mm. And I'm just saying, it is a really good note, Vanessa, that it is not toe-tapping music. It is absolute surrender music. I recommend that, too. So that's how love is showing up in my life right now. It's also showing up in myself. Like, I just, Vanessa, I just look in the mirror, and I just take stock. And I just look at my family, and I just see my reflection. I just look at my aging, like, skin, and I just glorify God because it looks beautiful to me. I just, I don't know, I'm studying myself in a new way that is just really, really elevating and feels really beautiful and sincere and clumsy and, I don't know, I'm falling in love, and that feels really great. And it makes me feel more connected to every single person around me, more open, more vulnerable. Yeah. So that's where I am in my, in my love story. So Ooh, that's a phrase report. I can, it is a phrase report. I cannot in this call without telling you, John Coltrane passed away at 40 years old. He and Alice Coltrane were married for four years, although it would go on to define her life and to help orient her life. And so after four years of a sweeping love affair, a world tour where they went back to Nagasaki and tried to hear the sounds of the pain in Nagasaki and compose healing music for them. I mean, they were powerful. They went to ashrams in India together and studied ancient texts. They went to Africa. They studied African history. And they were trying to find the through lines. They were trying to find the through lines, and they did. And the through lines. And one of the things he talked about, like even in the Bhagavad Gita, 
this notion of love or in the yoga sasa where they talk about the yamas and niyamas. If you practice yoga, you know the yamas and niyamas, which are like do no harm. All these sorts of really powerful lessons and virtues. And he was like, this ain't nothing but the Ten Commandments and like on the different on the other side of the planet. And so like I just invite you all to open your hearts to what is possible when God is bigger than your understanding. And open your hearts to what's possible when God articulates his grace in different languages. I grew up so close minded about God. If somebody was saying some words I didn't understand, I didn't even in yoga say none of the stuff. I was just like, Oh no Sanskrit. I was like, Namaste, what does that mean? You know, I mean, I was that person and I was limiting myself. I just invite you to be expansive with your definition of God. So after he passed away, he, and he passed away from liver cancer because he had a hard, 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 hard life. And he, he was hard on his body for many years and he died of liver cancer. And after he died, first of all, the death story is so beautiful. He and Alice were together and she was just talking about how she could feel his spirit warm and evolving and like it, it wasn't a sad moment it was an evolution and she then went to india and she evolved into uh, she had a new name which is churia sangi and tananda and yes that's it <laughs> ananda Ananda, and it means like the song of bliss or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. And she studied under like the great Hindu teachers and she learned like Indian music and culture. She's learned to play the harp beautifully. And so in the album that I put in there, Rosa Sananda is her playing the harp and the piano. And she's so beautiful. She sold millions of copies. But then she said God told her to create space for people, to support people in their journeys. So she created an ashram. Yeah. In the Santa Monica Hills, I wish we would have gone when we lived in LA. We didn't know, girl. We were know. I know. In the Santa Monica Hills, and she was still living then. She created an ashram there for spiritual practice, and she released hundreds, I I actually think thousands of like recordings and chants and beautiful like Om Shanti's, O Peace, O Brahman. I mean, like these beautiful, beautiful chants. And they were recently released, and so there's a lot of them on Spotify. And I have to admit, I'm not even evolved enough for some of them. Maybe blow my mind. I'm like, I got to turn this one off and go to the next one. I am ready. I'm ready, Alice Coltrane. I mean, she just is such like the matriarch of Black meditation. So today we give thanks to both of them. And, and Morgan, the can I say one additional woman. piece of yep. information? When I tell you Black women, we just be surviving. So when you look at photos of her like a little bit later in life, like she's so like, transcendent looking and I was like man how did I not know about this center in Santa Monica and I think it expanded to like a second center and I was like she just you know she had this love affair with this man and then she lost him after only four years and they had a son and he died in a car accident and part of her music it was like a healing and it was her actual prayers and it was her meditations around losing her child and she said that she used her own music to find her way back to her own self and her own healing through the music and it's just like you know we just survive we face the darkest moments of our life we have these spiritual warriors that we've been talking about who are examples um thomas dorsey yesterday the exact same thing but like we go to like the darkest moments of our life and we think this is it but then God is like it's not it there's a whole other thing you couldn't have imagined on the other side yeah yeah yes you know I didn't realize that the meditation was going to be so perfect for today so I planned to do a walking meditation that used the words and the chant this beautiful chant of of Alice Coltrane but I'm going to put it on our social media so that you can listen to it on your own and it starts off 
with her granddaughter who's named after her talking about her grandmother's life. And then it beautifully like evolves into her grandmother doing a chant. So I will be sure to put that on Instagram right after this call Mm -hmm. so that you all can listen to it. And so Vanessa, without further ado, let's end with a walk on a love Supreme. And we are going to play part one of a love Supreme. Be well, y'all. Love you.
Love the free, love the free, love the free. 